And our scripture reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 16. Uh, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And this is the word of God. Uh, Let's pray once more. Let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you again for gathering us this morning, that we are able to now uh, hear from you and hear these words that you have given to us, uh, words that are life for us. I pray that your spirit would give us understanding and allow our heart to grow in affection for you. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, my parents, they're now in their 70s, and, and it seems like every week they're going to uh, a different doctor for another kind of a, of a checkup for their health. And, and whenever they seem to go a little bit more frequently, um, I ask them, is, is everything okay? And, you know, just like any parent who doesn't want to burden and worry, uh, have their child worry, you know, they respond by saying, Oh, don't worry. It's just a it's just a regular checkup. You know, when you get to my age, this is just what you do. Um, and so, thankfully, my parents they they are doing okay. Uh, there's nothing major that they're dealing with. But but talking to my parents more and more uh, about their health makes me realize that I should be mindful of my own health and to take that seriously. Uh, being being healthy is something that we all should uh, value, regardless of how old we are, and, and that certainly applies to the church. Uh, for us as a church, you know, how can we regularly think about: are, are we healthy? Are we becoming more healthy over time? We're continuing in our sermon series in the book of Ephesians, and in the second half of chapter four that we're looking at today, uh, Paul, he continues to build on this theme of unity that we saw uh, in the first half 
of the chapter. And, and in some ways, what we're going to look at today is uh, Paul, he's giving us a description of what a healthy church looks like. And much of the health of a church, it, it depends, as Paul will argue, on how its members use the gifts that have been given to them. And so we're going to see that a healthy church is one that first receives gifts, and then secondly, uses those gifts properly, and then lastly, uses those gifts together. So first, a healthy church receives gifts. Uh, in verse 7, Paul says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, in verse 8, you notice the quotation marks there. Uh, Paul, he's quoting Psalm 68. Uh, 68, where the people of God, they're crying out to him, uh, asking to defeat their enemies. And, and Paul, he may have chosen to quote this psalm because there seems to be a parallel with how Jesus, in his resurrection, has claimed victory over sin and death and then shares with us all the benefits of that victory. So Paul might want us to remember just how Jesus did the unimaginable and, and having Psalm 68 as the backdrop of all that. So Jesus, he descended from the heavenly places. He came into our world as the Son of God. He lived a perfect life that we should have lived. He died a death that we were deserving to die. And then he rose from the dead so that sin and death would have an expiration date. And then after accomplishing all this, Jesus, he doesn't say to us, look at all that I've done for you. Now, what are you going to do about it? But instead, he says, look at all that I've done for you. Receive this victory in all the gifts that I've won for you. So Jesus, he fully resources the church by giving each of his followers specific gifts that are unique to each of us. And so that means that every member of a church has been gifted in some way to contribute to the life of the church. But, but isn't it true when there, there are times where we don't like receiving gifts like these. Because instead of receiving gifts, we want to earn them. We want the recognition and the credit that we are the ones who have accomplished something. We don't like handouts. But instead, we want to prove and show that we can handle things ourselves and that we, we don't need any other help. But at the same time, isn't it also true that, that so much of who we are is not by choice, but by what has been given to us? None of us had a say in being born. None of us 
had a say in where in history we would exist or where uh, we would grow up. And even some of the opportunities that have come our way um, may not have been because of our own doing, but that they were given to us. Uh, it, it's almost been a year since I started working here at, at Emmanuel, and, and something that I have to remember is that uh, this position was something that I had no clue existed. So about two summers ago, uh, there were two different friends of mine who knew about this opportunity that Emmanuel was, was searching for an assistant pastor. And so independent of each other, they reached out to me, sharing with me about this opportunity. And so who knows what would have happened if neither of my friends actually reached out to me. So much of who we are and where we are now is from what we have received. So Paul tells us that a healthy church is made up of members who have been given gifts from Jesus to, to continue his ministry. And so instead of saying or thinking, look at all that I've done and accomplished, a healthy church would think or say, look at all that I have received and been gifted. So a healthy church is one that receives gifts, uh, but now we'll see, secondly, that a healthy church uses those gifts properly. Verse 11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Uh, so here, Paul, he identifies uh, various roles that have been exclusive for uh, the church throughout all of history. And, and what he says is the main purpose of these roles, the leaders of a church, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, this word to equip, it, it has this connotation of putting things in order and in their right place. And so, how do the leaders of a church use their gifts properly? Well, they do things like they, they, they take time to know the people in their churches, to hear their stories, to, to observe what they're good at, what are the things that give them joy in life, to, to help people discover their gifts, to direct and invite people to use their gifts for the good of the church. And so when the leaders of a church use their gifts properly through their teaching, through their caring for people, they help identify and then unleash the potential of everyone in the church. And then everyone, not just the leaders of the church, every single member is invited to join in the work of ministry. And the word ministry at its core, it really means serving other people. And so a healthy church is one that receives gifts from Jesus. And when those gifts are used properly, it's for the purpose of serving others in service to the church. And so there are those of you who are 
warm and kind. And, and so when you welcome somebody new into our church and you show them that warmth and that kindness, you are doing the work of ministry. There are those of you who are home group leaders and, and you all have this ability to create space where we can have meaningful Bible studies. You also create space where people are able to be known and cared for. And all of that is doing the work of ministry. And there are those of you who are very much detail-oriented and you enjoy finishing tasks. So there were times where you've helped us with maybe a one-time project or organizing an event or serving on our AV team. All of that is the work of ministry. And, and to do all of this well, uh, it is on us as leaders of the church to see you all for your humanity and not for your utility. It is on us as leaders to, to steward your life experience, your joys, your gifts for the good of the church and for your own thriving and flourishing. Not to see any of you as a, a means to an end, or to see any of you to serve our own purposes. And so what this means is, is that if you, if you ever have a concern that, that I or, or Scott or any of our elders are not serving you well, that we are failing to equip you for the work of ministry, where you feel as though your potential is not being fully realized, then you have every right to raise that concern with us. Because the word of God is so clear here in telling us what our job descriptions are, and that is to, to serve you. And we serve you so that you're living out the unique calling that God has given to you to do the work of ministry. So Paul tells us that a, a healthy church is made up of members who've been given gifts by Jesus to continue his ministry. We, we receive these gifts. <clears throat> receive these gifts. And a healthy church also uses those gifts properly. Like the gifts from Jesus are to be used to serve others, to unleash the full potential of all the members in the church. And then Paul's, he goes on to show us that a healthy church uh, uses those gifts together. And that moves us to our final point. So he gives us, uh, Paul, he gives us this picture of a church that, that's growing, that's maturing over time. And then in verse 15, he says, uh, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, this section here is where we, we got the, the imagery for our sermon series title, uh, joined together, growing together. 
throughout the book of Ephesians and in other letters that, that uh, Paul wrote, he uses this imagery of the church being a, a body that's made up of many different members. And each member has a unique role and place within that body that contributes to the life of the whole. And here, Paul tells us that there is one thing that all of us are called to do together. In verse 15, in our translation, it says, speaking the truth in love. But there are some scholars that will argue that Paul is saying something more than just speaking the truth. Because if you look at the original Greek, the, the verb to speak is not there. So there are some scholars that argue for a more literal translation here, which would be truthing in love. Meaning that when each of us are using the gifts that Jesus has given to us, these collective actions are to evidence the truth of Jesus. His teachings, his vision for humanity and for the world. So, so truthing in love, it means that we show the world a glimpse of what God intended from the very beginning. So certainly speaking the truth to share the good news of, the, of Jesus. That, that certainly is an example of truthing in love. But there are other things, right? So coming alongside someone who's in distress, offering a listening ear and a, and a compassionate presence with that person, right? That's an example of truthing in love. Calling the police when there's evidence of abuse. That's truthing in love. Truthing in love is, is revealing, showing the truth of what reality ought to be. Uh, in our previous church, there was one person that I met up with periodically, and he understood that the calling to be a Christian was very challenging. But at the same time, he would often say and remind me that the calling of a Christian is also very simple. And the way that he would put it is, what we are called to do is to make Jesus look good. And I think that's what Paul is trying to say here. Right? The main goals of, of the church are not primarily about how many people attend on a Sunday. It's not ultimately about how productive and efficient we are. It's, it's, it's not ultimately about getting 100% participation of all of our members to, to serve. All of those things, they have merit and they have value and they're important things for us to, to consider. But I think Paul's main concern is if the church looks and acts and speaks like Jesus. Because isn't it true that, that there are people who decide to leave the church 
because they see less of Jesus there. Isn't it true that both Christians and non-Christians, they get frustrated when, when we see churches going through scandals and leaders are exposed of these horrific acts of sin? And when churches are maybe the most unwelcoming places, it's frustrating because these are all examples of churches not truthing in love. And this is why using our gifts together and not in isolation from one another is so vital because we can easily stop truthing in love. And when that happens, we need other people to notice that that is going on. And we need other people to be able to lovingly come to us and bring that to our attention. Because when one of us stops truthing in love, it affects everyone. Because we're part of the same body. But isn't it true, though, that to do the work of truthing in love together, to make Jesus look good time and time again, it's really hard to do. We know that Jesus, he is perfect in every way. And so how do you represent someone who is perfect? aren't we going to fall short no matter how hard we try? But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus, he doesn't leave us to do this work of ministry on our own. But the good news is that Jesus does the work of ministry with us. You see, the image of the church being the body of Jesus is not where we are called to to replicate Jesus, as if our goal is to, you know, create a clone of who Jesus is, but rather we are a body that is vitally connected to one another and to Jesus himself. Paul describes how Jesus, he is the head of the body, and we are all connected to him. And so we are called to do the work of ministry together And Jesus, by the power of his spirit, works together with us. We're not doing this by ourselves. And so, friends, what might you be sensing God calling you and inviting you to do as being part of his body? You know, I know there there are some of you where... Right now, it feels like this is a season of exhaustion and where it just doesn't seem as though there's a break anywhere in the near future. Perhaps for this season, maybe maybe instead of asking, what more can I do for Jesus? Maybe there's an invitation where it's more about How can I be more with Jesus? To sit at his feet, to delight 
in his presence. And maybe there, there are some of you who have a, a bit more capacity in life. And, and you're wondering if the gifts that Jesus has given to you are not fully tapped into. Uh, perhaps this is an invitation where you can reach out to Scott or to the elders or to me, where we can, we can talk, we can listen and learn and discern together how your gifts can be used for the good of others. And maybe there, there are some of you who've been a- attending here on Sundays and you've been enjoying our time together uh, for Sunday worship. Uh, but perhaps you're, you've been sensing an invitation to, uh, to connect more meaningfully with the church. And so maybe there's an invitation to visit a home group or, or maybe to join others volunteering uh, at the literacy program. And so what, what do you sense God calling you and inviting you to do as being part of the body of Jesus? And so may we continue to trust God to grow and mature our church to be healthy, to be healthier over time, to be a church that receives gifts from Jesus, where we use those gifts to serve one another, and we use those gifts together to make Jesus look good. And we can do this because we know that that Jesus, he works together with us every single time. Would you join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for being a God who does not hoard everything to yourself, but you give, and you give lavishly. God, we thank you for the work of Jesus on our behalf, where he did descend to our world uh, to be one and among us, living a life that we should have lived, dying a death that we should have died, but yet in his resurrection, He does not keep everything to himself, but the gifts of life, the gifts of salvation are given to us. And so, Father, help us to steward these riches well, that it would not be for our own good, but for the good of others, that we would honor you, that we would indeed make you look good, that we as a community here regularly We are a community known for truthing and love. May that be the mark of our church today and moving forward. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.